the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. The 21st, 2023. I am Seth Liebson, and it is a delight to have Mr. Bill back. He is to my north. We missed you yesterday, Bill. I hope you had a good day off. Mr. David Dahl is my producer. He is to my west. An accident to him, not accident, but accident, is Miss Terry. Delighted to have her with us as well. Uh, for the rest of you, uh, regardless of your cardinal points on the compass, the number to call in is 602-508-0960. That is 602-5080-960. Anything you want to talk about, that's what we're here for. I was giving a talk last night to a group on the House of R's that is divided. And a bit of our party, too. I'll speak more about it in the context of our party tomorrow. But for today, I wanted to think about our house divided as a country and revisit some thoughts on the comparisons to the divisions in our country vis-a-vis the 1960s, where some have said things were actually worse back then. They mentioned the assassinations and the violence, which, yes, were much more prolific back then as a kinetic or operational and physical matter. But I believe it's much worse today as an ideological and intellectual matter because Back in the 1960s, the attitudes and ideas behind the violence were disdained by mainstream America and her institutions, including the Democratic Party. Remember, the violence, for example, at the Chicago Democratic Convention in 1968, for example, an epitome of much of the unrest in that era, was against the Democratic Party and Democratic leaders like Democratic Mayor Richard Daley, who were accused by the left of engaging in Gestapo tactics and putting those riots down. Democrats were being accused of Gestapo tactics. The Democratic Party, in other words, from Gene McCarthy, Eugene McCarthy, to Hubert Humphrey, to George McGovern, to Ted Kennedy, to Sergeant Shriver, to Ed Muskie, to Walter Mondale, and Jimmy Carter, they all wanted distance from the left-wing race and radicalized Marxist rioters. They tried to prove how supportive and patriotic and enamored with our institutions and laws that they were. And they wanted as much distance from left-wing and socialist ideology as possible. Perhaps because they knew that of the two parties, they were closer to it than the Republicans. But separation and distinction and differentiation was what they kept trying to prove. But not anymore. That's the critical thing that's changed with today's Democratic Party. The Democratic Party of today is infused with and supportive of radical ideology, little different from the modern incantations from the marginal outposts of the 1960s and 1970s. Think of how many supported the BLM movement or how few are willing to denounce and how many are willing to embrace and tolerate labels like progressive and socialist. If you think about our house divided, then as a country, ask who divided it and ask how powerful that wrecking ball is today compared to illegal organizations and efforts from the 1960s and 1970s that the Democratic Party did its best to distance itself from. 
The Weatherman, for example, the Weather Underground, one of its leaders was a proud supporter of Barack Obama's and Barack Obama a supporter of his. Louis Farrakhan, the same. The BLM, a Marxist self-described organization, the same. Tell me what revolutionary concept with indeed Marxist originations and etiology as much as ideology Today's Democratic Party does not defend and embrace. And then tell me who is dividing this house called America. Today's Democratic Party is a party that turns a blind eye and a deaf ear toward rioting and even hosts and boasts of a vice president who encouraged such rioting and helped fund the bailing out of the violent rioters. It is a party that nominates and defends justices to the Supreme Court who simply refuse to answer what is a woman. It is a party that supports efforts to encourage children to physically change their biological sex and that supports concealing those efforts from their parents on their path to doing so. Today's Democratic Party is a party that believes 1776 was not our founding date and that slavery is our national ethos of origin and not freedom or equality or both. It is a party that believes people should be judged for the most sublime positions and privileges and immunities based on human beings' most crude of characteristics, like their race, rather than their most sublime and refined characteristics, like their abilities and their morality. It's a party that supports the legalization and thus spreading use of dangerous drugs and the encouragement to try to use them, quote-unquote, safely, rather than to try to get help for addicts or support prevention so as to try to stop them from the enslavement of their souls and the destruction of their minds that such encouragement and use represents and activates. It is a party that thinks it just fine to teach five-year-olds to think and act out sexually with age-inappropriate lessons and behaviors. That's what the Democrats want to mainstream. The same party that believes it okay for men to compete in women's sports and at every age for men to enter and use women's bathrooms and showers and locker rooms. It is a party whose president spent an hour and a half one-on-one with one of the most absurdly ridiculous transgender women and social media phenoms while saying he doesn't have time to visit, visit devastated cities in America like East Palestine or the border due to the important demands on his time. It is a party that hosts strip tease shows on the White House lawn for the 4th of July and remains completely uninterested in the extreme that cocaine was found outside the Situation Room of the White House. Today's Democrat Party is a party that wants to shovel hundreds of billions of dollars to the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world and just turned an additional $6 billion over to it last week. It's a party that thinks we should have another official carbon copy of Iran or Syria in Gaza and the West Bank while stripping the rights and power of the United States' best ally in the Middle East, an ally that is as close to the United States in political and civil rights and freedom and foreign policy outlook as can possibly exist. It's a party that wants to boycott travel and finances to that country as well. Today's Democratic Party is a party that wants to secure other nations' borders with weapons, personnel, and taxpayer expense, but does not want to protect its own border. It's a party that wants to strip First and Second Amendment rights from Americans, but wants to elevate beyond any limit Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, and Eighth Amendment rights to violent criminals. It's a party, true to its origins, that believes states and municipalities can nullify federal laws. 
It's a party that wants gates and fences and armed security for itself and its members in leafy and expensive suburbs, but does not want other Americans to have those same barriers or, most importantly, mechanisms of security and self-defense guaranteed to them by the Second Amendment. Today's Democratic Party is a party that wants to give and has given voting rights to non-citizens. It is a party that believes American citizens must be mandated to take experimental vaccines multiple times to enter the country or for children to go to school or engage in social activities. It's a party that believes it should pay people not to work and tax people to pay for the college education of others not related or even known to them. A party that tries to conceal the goings-on at school board meetings and curricula debates and discussions and will weaponize the FBI to put the fear of prosecution and surveillance onto those who want to exercise their First Amendment and federally protected and parental rights at those meetings. It's a party that says parents have no right to direct their children's education when they are in public schools, that the children belong to the state. To give the Democratic Party some credit, that is actually a moderate position and opinion if you live in Havana, Pyongyang, or Beijing. Today's Democratic Party is a party that believes human life at six and seven and eight and nine months can be sliced or sucked to death depending on the whim or choice of someone else while it lies about it all the while. It's a party that denounces the notion of American greatness as some kind of unheard dog whistle while insisting that it does not believe itself there is anything special or great or exceptional about America. Today's Democratic Party is a party that does not believe that we are one country with one constitution constituting one people. And yet we're supposed to be the extreme ones. We aren't and they are. As they tell us, we are the dividers and they are the uniters. But again, they are the party that has no problem changing the meaning of nouns and pronouns. So I guess that is how they get away with it. But a house divided against itself still cannot stand. So let us do our level best to show who is who and what is what to save this place. What do you say? Yeah? Okay, I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. What were the stats you were telling me about our podcast that's uh, available over on the Omni website, uh, Young David? Uh, I believe today we will upload the 2,000th hour Is that right? of the Seth Leibson Show on Omni. Now, that's not uh, all of the Seth Leibson shows because we only started doing those within a couple of years, or yeah. at least the old regime yeah. did those a couple of years ago. And you've been on radio for a little over nine years now. And here I think Phoenix. earlier today— yeah. Here in Phoenix, f- nine years. Yes, here in Phoenix. Nineteen yes. years totally. Yes. Yes. With Secretary Bennett. But yeah. I think we figured out that with, what, what did we say, an average of 85? I do about 80. I speak about 85. We've time, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Bill and I figured out we do. I speak about 85,000 words a week on a radio. Ba- about with, a, with an average of 85,000 yeah. words a week, yeah. Seth Leibson is nearing <laughs> 40 million words. 40 million on words. Phoenix Radio. <laughs> oh right now we're at about 39,400,000. Oh. So we'll have to have a big old celebration when we hit 40 million the, words the on 40 the 40 millionth word anniversary. Yes. <laughs> or whatever you would call it, verbal versary. Verbal versary. Lordy, lordy, look who's 40, that kind of a celebration. Yeah, verbal yes. versary. What, what, should we do, we, what should we do it with? Donuts? 
Uh, just speaking more words. Donuts <laughs> have been on my mind. We should touch. Sam's coming on later. We should talk donuts with Sam. Yes, that would be good. Donuts are a great thing. Southern California, you don't have Southern California without donuts. They're much more popular there than they are here. Yes, I would say so. When I was at, You remember uh, it? Yeah, you're Bible a Southern College, California guy. Would, yeah. Uh, there would be midnight runs. When, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because they're all 24 hours. Yeah. And you know what's weird is you'll go there at like midnight, yeah. 2, 3 in the morning, and yeah. you will see people who are particularly working class people who are getting up, getting a donut and coffee, yeah. and sitting around waiting to go yeah. to work because they go to work far earlier than the rest of America yeah. because yeah. they can't be out in the heat with their hard manual labor jobs. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally it's, true. Uh, so it's, it has a clientele. It has the 3 a.m. clientele. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would go often with my buddies uh, in college around midnight after we'd quit studying or take a break from studying. We'd go um, Altadena Donuts and Altadena Dairy Farms and all that kind of – I have great memories of the donut places there. They're often run by Asians, um, Asian uh, immigrants uh, because I believe there is a – I'm going to have to look into this, but I believe there is some kind of relationship – between um, the rise of uh, the communist regime in Cambodia and the exit. I think it was a, a highly Cambodian American or Cambodian immigrant industry, I think. I don't know if you were, if that was true in California. It was when I was there. I don't know if it still was when you were I don't there. know. If it was, I never never caught on. You never but noticed. I would yeah. be interested to hear what the, what the hard connection working, is. Yeah, hardworking folks. And here you see it at uh, at a few donut places like Bosa Donuts, it must be an it must be an Asian American owned firm. It's well, I be. can understand why. Yeah, you know, of course. If you're running from communism, yeah. uh, you know, com- communists would not adopt donuts into their into their system because right. donuts are good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's it's yes. This is why we can't have good things. We're a communist. So I, I, it right? makes sense that the yeah. communists would excise not only the. The, the democratically minded people, but also all of the donut makers. Absolutely right. Because we can't have good things in Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, okay, so interestingly, after that uh, little monologue I was giving, our friends at, thank you for that, our friends at Issues and Insights had a, had a, had a, I didn't know this until during the break, I was just looking to see what they were up to, had an editorial today, Democrats discover a new threat to democracy, the U.S. Constitution. We've been cataloging how far the left has taken to labeling every candidate it doesn't like and every policy it opposes as a threat to democracy. But even we were surprised to see the U.S. Constitution itself added to the list of these threats. MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell said over the weekend that, quote, the Constitution has some profoundly anti-democratic, which is to say anti-democracy components like the Electoral College and the two senators per state, for example, close quote. Did Lawrence O'Donnell miss the fact that the Constitution creates a Republican form of government and not a dem- that we're not a parliamentary democracy? Did he miss that schoolhouse rock when he was in the fifth grade? Or did he miss civics in the eighth grade or in the twelfth grade? Mr. Bill, when did you first have a civics class? Was it late, not until high school? They they used to do it some some places. They did it in eighth grade and high school, but uh, you got it in high school. Young David, when did you first get civics in school? If you didn't get it at home or on television, was it high school? Probably, probably twelfth grade. That's my guess. You went to high school in America, did you not? Yes, I went to okay. high school in America. Well, I you're just looking don't re- at me I'm like, like you don't, don't know what really high remember. school is. Oh yeah, no, I I just don't really remember. You know, 
Maybe seventh, eighth grade. I don't know. That seems a bit early, though. Yeah. I think there was a bunch of school districts that did it that early. They front-loaded it. My high school was broken up in two by a couple moves because my father's a minister. So most of my most of my younger years were moving. Is he a CC <laughs> rider? You know the song CC Rider? Elvis Presley and I? I've seen the, the movie Easy Rider. Not EC, CC. Yes. CC, C not EZ, CC, yes. a CC writer. Yes, that's and a peripatetic is... minister. That's a that's a that's a, a it's a preacher man on the road. And there is a movie called CC and Company. Yeah, and Broadway Joe Namath stars in it. Is that right? And that's where the song comes from. CC writer comes out of the Broadway Joe. It's for, it's from a Maybe. movie called CC and Company. No kidding. And Margaret is the uh, love interest, and he's he's on a bike, but eventually they steal a great big giant Cadillac and go to Vegas, and it's kind of a fun movie. So Elvis popularizes the song. He famously dates Anne Margaret, but Joe Namath is the one who co-stars. Yeah, it's from her. a movie. Yeah. yeah, how interesting. Yeah. See, you brought it all together. That's the consanguinity CC of all the things. CC and Company, but it it was in that same time frame as Henry Fonda's Easy Rider. Was yes. it? It not, was a not, popular not Henry, uh, genre not at the Henry, time. Not Henry, his son. Henry Fonda's son. Oh, Peter, yes. Pete, Fonda, Peter Fonda. Jane's brother. Brother. Mm-hmm. Boy, you just love the Jane Fonda stuff, don't you? You've been doing all kinds of Jane Fonda recently, haven't you? I feel like you're just bringing her into the conversation. No, you were we the are... one who had to go see Electric Horseman before Jaws. I saw it for Robert Redford. Not for Jane Fonda. But you okay? So you'll watch a Jane Fonda movie, but you won't let me play music that is performed by people who affiliate with the Democratic Party. This makes no sense. I it's, watch you, a Robert Redford movie. Your, your morality is all messed up. You're like Lawrence O'Donnell. Lawrence <laughs> O'Donnell, by the way, said this that the Constitution has anti-democratic principles in it. He said this just the day before Constitution Day, which celebrated the 236th anniversary of its signing. He was talking to Jamel Bowie, a New York Times columnist, who, after nodding his head in agreement with, o- with O'Donnell, added that, quote, I think we've witnessed over the last couple of years, especially with the attempt to overturn the election, the ways that the Constitution and its rules can actually be used against what Americans think identify as a democracy. These people know nothing. They are the new know-nothings of the Democratic Party of yore, like Mark Levin was talking about. Oh, my gosh, I have more, much more on this to say, and we'll say it when we come back. But Bowie and others on the left have been singing this song for a while. Last year, Andrea Mitchell, she said um, that the threat to U.S. democracy is coming from inside the House because the Constitution itself is the problem. The Constitution is the problem, folks. So when they talk about radically transforming or blame us for calling them outside the mainstream of American norms of governance, understand they're the ones— who are drawing first blood here. All right, we'll be right back. That, I, I was waiting for that one part there because it sounds like Joe Biden talking at the United Nations. Right? That's, 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 he get, he's, not, he's not infirm. He's just talking like Elvis Presley. Yeah, okay. It's a compliment. Welcome back. 602-508-0960. Rick, we invited you to call back, and like a good man, you accepted the invitation. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. It sounds like fun Friday on Thursday. Well, it's Friday somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. I was just telling Debonair David that uh, (laughs) I enjoyed the exchange between you two, before the break. I'm glad someone did. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't, but I'm glad you did. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) 
Hey, speaking of uh, Country any, Circuit uh, Rider, that exchange Rider. was it you that were exchange? Talking about C- Easy Rider. See, no, I, no, no. I was talking no. about CC Rider. Uh, yes, yes, not that's right. Easy Rider. Uh, Easy Rider is an awful movie. It's an awful movie. I understand that. CC Rider is what David's dad was. He was a country county circuit or church writer. But but what I'm I'm getting at is that have you heard Hank Williams Jr. song Uneasy Rider? No, I have not. You gotta listen to that, brother. Okay. It is great. I don't know if it was a spoof. Or if he was serious, but he was making fun of all kinds of leftist stuff in oh, that song. It probably was serious called, then. It probably was. Yeah, called Uneasy Rider, Hank Williams Jr. All right, I'll take a look at okay, it. Okay, so Seth, your uh, monologue today, wow, was just another home run Thanks, out of man. the park. Thank you. And uh, it brings me to my points. I had a couple points left, right? Yes, yes, you did. Okay, so first one was about your phone call, your 6 a.m. phone call. Oh, yeah, with my friend Steve, yes. Uh Yeah, when you were talking about that, I think uh, Tuesday, and when you were talking about that, it occurred to me that I have something very similar to that, except it doesn't happen at 6 a.m., it happens at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> and it's not a 30-minute conversation. It's a three-hour conversation. And you educate and inspire and motivate me every day when I tune in. Okay, first of all, thank you. You are way too kind, and I appreciate that. In all sincerity, I truly do. Yes. But let us think about for a moment the notion of starting your day having a conversation with God or a dear friend about higher, more durable things. Don't you think that's a good idea? Don't you think it is? I think it is a fantastic idea. Don't let the morning newspaper replace the morning prayer. Yes. And a conversation with a dear friend can be a prayer of sorts, I think. Yes. In fact, if you're going to have a morning conversation with a friend like you do every day or I do every day, maybe you should start it with a prayer. Maybe he and I should start it that way. We never have, but maybe we should. Maybe that would make it additionally pacific. Yeah. 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 I, it's an interesting thing. You know, I, I've i been two people, and I can't remember. One of them is Clint Eastwood. I can't remember who the other one was. We're talking about, you know, how it is that they get on at their uh, old age in the morning, how they get on without without feeling old because they move still very young. And uh, I think it was Clint Eastwood. He said, I wake up and I tell myself, don't let the old man in. And I, and uh, I just like the notion of the first thing uh, that you focus on or out of your mouth is either, if not a prayer, a good and deep conversation about higher things. Anyway, that's, yeah. that's what I was relating and you're calling yes. about. Yeah. Yes, I, I know that's what you're relating, and, and I agree with you 100%. Yeah. With, yeah. With what you, I, I just related to that. Uh, I, I thought, hey, you know, I've got something like that. Only it comes in the afternoon, and it's three hours Again, long. you're very kind. I do have to take a break. I'll let you do the other one when we come back. I okay. will say this. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, I used to go to a bunch of uh, open, uh, open uh, AA meetings, and one of the phrases I learned in those in them was, um, good days follow good days. And uh, there's a deep meaning to that, of course. It doesn't take a lot to understand it. But if you, you know, comport yourself good one day or well one day, the likelihood that your next day will be less 
than that is very small and might even be greater than that. Maybe good mornings beget good days and good evenings. Maybe they're, you know, just how you start your day is important. I used to joke around that the reason Denny's serves breakfast 24 hours a day is because you can always start your day again. But there might actually be something to that. All right. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Did our friend Tiffany send us some new music? Is that what you were saying? I did, yes. We got new music suggestions during the break. Because we didn't accept her offerings of yesterday. (laughs) So it's it's the new offering to the gods. Yeah, what did she offer up today? Uh, Mel Torme's Blue Moon. No. uh, Doris Day's Fly Me to the Moon. No. We have a lunar theme here. Yeah. And Andy Williams can't get used to losing you. No. But she can try again. I do have an Andy Williams story. Remind try me again to tell for you. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> we can try zero for three. Uh, we can uh, remind me to tell you the Andy Williams story at some point. Rick, thank you for staying with us, sir. Say, oh, you know, by the Seth? way, young David. Young David found this Clint Eastwood thing on mornings. What did you get, David? Hold on, Rick. Listen to this. Clint Eastwood is a ripe 93 years old. And when people ask him what his uh, morning routine is, he says, first of all, when you get up, don't let the old man in. Right. Stay away from carbohydrates, especially rich desserts. Keep yeah. a scale in your bathroom. Get proper rest. Try to be optimistic. Eat fruits and raw vegetables. Take vitamins. Skip beverages loaded with sugars. Avoid alcohol and excess. Do not eat for pleasure. And he notes that he has always done muscle training, exercise, and gives a whole routine. All right. Well, some of and those so are he's worthwhile. St- he's still doing chin-ups and calisthenics at 93 years old. My goodness. Rick. I think that's the secret. Yeah, maybe so. Probably. Good advice, huh, Rick? Well, those are some rowdy suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the don't eat for pleasure thing. That's the only way I eat. Rowdy Yates. Rowdy Yates. All right, buddy. What else you got on your mind today? <laughs> You know, listening to you guys talk and uh, everything uh, while I'm on hold is kind of disoriented, but it's fun. Well, it's hope. Yeah, I mean, we're here. It's cool. It's cool. I like it. I like it. I keep it up. Keep it up. Well, thank and you. I like Tiffany's uh, moon suggestion. No. How about Moon River? No, none of it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing on the moon, huh? I would. Climbing I would settle for. I would compromise with Tiffany on Arthur's theme. Between the moon and New York City, I would oh. se- I would settle for that. Okay, by okay. Criss Cross. Go ahead, go out with it if you want. I'm I'm just I would settle for. How that. How do we feel about the movie? Not great. Moon River. No, no. stop it. Oh, Rick, focus. <laughs> yes. What's on your mind? Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Okay. Uh, here's the here's the third uh, point I, I I wanted to make, yes, sir. and. This may be kind of heavy. I don't know, that's fine. Seth. Yeah, but that's, fine. Th- that's why I w- wanted to run it by you. Okay, All good. let's do it. So uh, this this kind of ties in to your new new organization, uh, the Stop Starts Here. Yes, sir. Which I want to applaud uh, you and and the group, and I support that wholeheartedly. I've already started. Uh, Spreading the information Thank around, you. letting people know about it, and the, all that good stuff. Thanks. And boy, I hope it really catches on—not just uh, here, but nationwide. Because obviously, much. we we are in dire need of it. This is so un- our, our new unapologetic uh, uh, drug prevention nonprofit that uh, we started. The stop yeah. starts here. dot org. If you can help us out, uh, we'll just get in front of more and more eyeballs and try and save more and more lives. No one's doing what we're doing. We think we have an answer to the crisis, and uh, yes. and uh, I'm sure that we do. So thank you for your kind words, Rick. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, boy, I, I just hope and pray it grows and grows. So w- my thought was, uh, I think you had mentioned uh, somebody uh, some time back uh, about the, and also maybe you got, when you guys were talking about the uh, uh, public health workers. Yes that are passing out drug paraphernalia, stuff like that. Yes. And my thinking is they should be uh, renamed and designated Street Kevorkian. Yeah, yeah. Because what they are literally doing is helping people commit suicide. That is correct. That is exactly right. I was... um I was uh, taken by several interviews about what's going on in places like Portland and uh, San Francisco and Seattle on this front. And we had uh, Kevin Dahlgren talking about it in Portland. Uh, And then there was this interesting piece Marvin Olasky Olasky had uh, in the Wall Street Journal about a month ago talking about San Francisco's uh, Tenderloin uh, district. He writes, the scene is... More disturbing than one can describe. Addicts sleeping or sitting on the street with police nearby but not intervening. Users place uh-huh. pink fentanyl powder on squares of aluminum foil. They flick. Hello? Yep. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Yeah. The, uh, f- uh, the, the users flick on lighters underneath aluminum foil and inhale fumes through tubes that look like short straws and crouch on the sidewalk. Two government-funded harm reduction personnel come by. Police won't come by, but two government-funded health workers do, pulling what looked like a radio flyer wagon, you know, an old, uh, an old, uh, you know, uh, you know, toy toy wagon truck, calling yeah. out harm reduction, need anything, and they bear gifts: foil, straws, glass pipes, clean needles, granola bars, bottles of water, and naloxone to counteract overdoses. This is gruesome stuff, Rick. Wow, it's gruesome. Street. Street Kevorkians. Street Kevorkians. Absolutely right. That's what yeah, this is. The ab- plan is for these guys to all die. That yeah. is the plan. That is their health care plan, to absolutely. have these addicts die as they make wow. it easier and easier for them to anesthetize themselves to death. You think yeah. about what that, those, those, those glass pipes uh, and needles uh, that are being handed out do to these guys who are um, addicted to things like fentanyl. That is the yeah. most expensive part of it. They're making right. the drug use easier and cheaper. Not safer, but more deadly because more accessible. Fentanyl Enabling. pills can cost a buck. You think a glass pipe costs a buck? It doesn't. Yeah. Enabling. It's enabling. totally enabling. Yeah. So we got to keep fighting the fight. Let me Let me sign off with a quote that I came across from uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, if I may. Okay. Uh, inspired by your interview of Mark Levin yesterday and okay. what you closed with. Yes, sir. You know, that we got to keep... Uh, Abraham Lincoln said, the probability that we may fail in the struggle ought not to deter us uh, from the support of a... Uh, of a co- uh, yeah, a, the support of a cause... That we believe to be just. That's right. It will not deter me. Yeah. Good. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. When Amen. people talk about peacetime conservatism and wartime conservatism, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about effort. They're talking about the only uh, meaningful way in which change will occur is going to be 
through effort. I was giving this talk last night uh, to a group, uh, a nice, a great group, a large group uh, in North Phoenix, and I was invoking uh, at the end of my talk Martin Luther King, uh, which is that the most important part of these kinds of meetings is not what you hear here, but what you do when you leave the doors, right? Uh, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. God bless you, sir. Amen. God bless thanks you, Seth. Thanks for the fun. Thanks for the smart. Thanks for getting it. And thanks for being a wartime conservative. 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I love that song. I know people think I'm nuts. Portions of the show are sponsored by Y Refi. They are based here locally. You can visit with them. But um, Scottsdale Road in the 101. But they have a heck of an invo- a heck of an investment available to you. It's an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate, and it's not correlated to the stock market. Or the Fed. It's a portfolio. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. No surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and no penalty if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees with the endorsement in Y Refi. Excuse me, investment with Y Refi, and you can get up to a ten point two five percent rate of return. That's right, a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. So check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y. Then refy dot com or give them a call at eight 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 y refi twenty four eight 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 y refi twenty four. I'm going to Doug. Am I? Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. How you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm I'm doing excellent. Um, I you know I had several things I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about the the article I sent you. Uh, Dennis Prager talking about uh, leftist and liberals and the difference therein. Yes, sir. Uh, but I, I loved your your discussion with Rick, um, yes. as usual, that uh, about the elderly, because I'm pressing 70. Are you? And I'll tell you, there's some things you have to do to keep vibrant and full of life and passion. Yes, so. yes, yes, yes. Uh, listen, uh, when you're my age, you have to do it. When you're David's <laughs> age, you have to do it. I'm a big physical fitness yeah. nut. I believe in it. I, yeah. believe, I yeah. believe very strongly in it. I try and do... Uh, I try and work out uh, pretty, 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 um, pretty regularly. I, I think it's an important thing to do. I think your body uh, is—it's uh, the one thing um, that you uh, you were given by God that you can actually improve. That includes your mind, of course, but the physical nature as well. Keep in shape. I think you owe it to yourself. Yeah, I, 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 I think do. you owe it to I yourself and that. God, actually. Yes, I do. I do believe that, and you have to keep physically fit. Yep. But you need to keep uh, mentally fit. Yep. And part of that process is to keep your attitude in terms of vibrancy and you keep your passion for life and keep your passion in interest in all, in all things. I and have rarely I, I, met. I mean, there is obviously chronic, uh, chronic issues of, of depression, which I'm not talking about, but I have rarely met a depressed person who regularly works out. And perhaps maybe that's the wrong terminology. Maybe I should say I rarely meet sad people who regularly work out because I do understand depression to be its own thing. Now, you've probably got a lot more to say, and I've got to take a news hour break. Do you want to hang on and we'll pick it up on the beginning of the next hour? Sure. All right. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. I'm Mm -hmm. Seth, and we'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.